see. The quote doesn't go. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it is not. Oh, where is it? <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story, except when we don't. I'm Joseph Jarowski. And I'm Todd Mack. So, Todd, before we get into what we're doing this week, uh, how, how was your week weather-wise? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, they're calling it Snowmageddon 2016. Yes. We put that term here and there, uh, yeah. depending on big storms. But for Utah, which is accustomed to a lot of snow, you got a lot of snow. <laughs> a lot of snow. <laughs> it snowed for, I want to say, like about 24 hours straight. Maybe longer. And it was just, it was an absolute, it was amazing. <laughs> I've never seen so much snow. What was the accumulation? I, two feet? Is that what? It was about, yeah, it was about two feet. And I heard uh, that the school district where you're at had not closed down for snow day in 60 plus years. And it That's shut the, down for snow the day. University. Oh, yeah, university. Yeah, the university. They, co- they canceled the university. So I went out with my dog. I, I take my dog out running. She's a um, part husky. And so she really likes to run in the cold. And she loves the snow. And so she was super happy. I felt like an Arctic explorer sort of, <laughs> um, running in the snow at about 6 o'clock in the morning. And, I, and, and the, route, the route that I run goes around the school. And there was so much snow. I got back and I thought, there's no way that they're having school. And then pretty, pretty soon <laughs> we got the message that it was canceled. And then, yeah, we found out it was the first time in 61 years that they've canceled uh, Southern Utah University for snow. It was a ton of snow. And even still, like three days later, and we've had days of melt. I mean, we've had, we've had the sun come out and it's been melting. And it's still like knee deep, the field that I walk across to go to class. <laughs> It's just amazing. I can I've never seen so much snow. Yeah, like um one time when I was going to a conference, uh in I had a stopover in Albuquerque and they had one inch of snow and it shut down the entire airport because yeah. they never get snow. <laughs> so like depending where you're at, like different amounts of snow will shut down a place. But Utah, it takes a lot of snow to shut down a city. Yeah. <laughs> so And it did shut down. Up up in our corner of things, we got snow the same day, not nearly as much, but it was kind of rough on the freeway in the morning. And so when I was driving to work, I spun around on the freeway. 360? Yeah. Whoa! Oh, man. That's terrifying. And all I was doing, like, I was only going, like, 50, and I was changing lanes, and I lost it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, just changing lanes. You didn't hit anything? No, it was was amazing. Like, I spun across three or four lanes, (gasps) and there was no cars for good ways, and then my... But my car, you know, yeah. completely shut down. The computer did its thing where it shut everything off and turned on all the lights. Yeah. Wow. And then I had to turn it back on and back up out of one lane into the, the carpool lane uh-huh. so that I didn't get hit. And then I just plugged back <laughs> along and <laughs> kept going. God. But but all I was doing was changing lanes. I Like, I wasn't even, like, doing yeah. anything wonky. It wasn't even an aggressive the, change. It was just gone. A few years ago, when my wife and I we were with our kids, we were driving up to Idaho after we'd been down in Utah, and we it, it was starting to snow really bad, and we slowed down to like 15, 20 miles per hour on the freeway, and then we saw the car in front of us spin into like a 360 and did two, did two 360s, <laughs> and just immediately we said, we're pulling off and getting to a hotel. <laughs> like, we're not, yeah. <laughs> we're not doing anything else now. <laughs> there was, uh, on the next day, the day after the big storm, I went with my dog again. And that's the worst day to run because then everything's just a crust. Ice. Yeah, nice crust. It, it was it was really bad. But um, there's a there's a part a place where we run by, and there's a really steep drop off, and then it's a freeway overpass, and there were these tire tracks, and they just like this person tried to brake and they didn't brake, and they just went right off the edge and all the way down this steep hill, and I could see the tracks all the way down. And then, and then there's a guardrail, and so and the guardrail was not broken, and then there was just this all this snow like scattered out onto the freeway, like they'd gone off the edge, all the way down the hill, slammed into the guardrail. All the snow from their car flew off into the into the freeway, but thankfully, I just thought, man, that, that has to be this like the scariest thing that could ever happen. It was terrifying. It was a I mean, it was a really big bad storm. Uh, and I've seen, I mean, I've seen a lot of snow, but I've never seen that much snow. Was, Todd, have you ever read Bone? Uh, no, I haven't. 
there's a, a gag in Bone where in the valley they say, you know, you got to get out of this valley quick because winter really hits fast. <laughs> and then the next panel is, uh, or the next page is a panel of just an entire blanket, like a, a like three a foot, foot thick yeah. blanket of snow falling from the sky as just the character looks up at it. Whomp. <laughs> just drops on everything. And then the, the whole valley is covered in snow. Yeah, well, this storm was interesting because it was never, I mean, I've seen worse snowstorms, like more snow falling in a, in a time, but there was just something about the way that it came and the length, the, the, the amount of time during which it was snowing, it just accumulated a ton of snow. So it was it was kind of like at any given time, if you looked out the window, you wouldn't think this is the snowstorm of the century, but it just snowed forever. <laughs> uh, this kind of steady snow, and it just built up. So anyway, well, Todd, enough about snowfall snow. can stop your university, but it can't stop our podcast. It cannot. So we're going to carry podcast. on. Uh, and today we are not talking about a specific character. Uh, we are doing another Valentine's Day special, which we are calling our shipping special. Happy Valentine's Day. Yes. Last year, if you will recall, or you could go back into our feed and find it, we tried to draft the most romantic couples in history into, <laughs> into teams. <laughs> uh, this, this year we're doing something different where shipping is a term in fan fiction where you take, uh, characters that are not in a relationship or even across, or not in or relationship. even in the same story. In, in their, yeah, in their story or you take characters from different stories and you say they'd be great in a relationship i wish character a would get with character b uh and uh, i was glancing into the history of this and apparently the term shipping was used for fans of the x-files who wanted to see uh the origin of it was uh, people want to see Mulder and scully get together <laughs> it, it's short for relationship yeah short for relationship. relationship shipping yes uh and so the way this is going to work todd and i have each selected seven characters and sent the other uh the list and we have to choose the best character from any <laughs> fictional world that would form a good relationship with the character that we've been given. And uh, so, if that sounds interesting, we hope that you will enjoy this episode. We are going to cover, I would imagine, some characters from books, and maybe you could get an Audible book version of some of the characters we talk about. And today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash protagonist, where you'll find over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or your MP3 player. Okay, so um, how do we start? I, a- Andrew, you're the judge. I, I, I've, I've got I've got a coin ish thing. Uh, so so Todd, <laughs> wait, stop. What is your coin ish thing? It it's it's a craft that my daughter made, <laughs> but it's round. It's it's round and it has discernible sides. So uh, Todd, I will let you pick uh, right or left hand. Wait, what? <laughs> it's a clown that's waving its hand, and on one side it looks like it's right hand, and on the other side it'll look like it's left hand. Okay, so right-handed clown or left-handed clown? Yep. Uh, I'm going to say right-handed clown. It's the left-handed clown. What does that mean? <laughs> that means, uh, Joe, you, you're going to go first. But does that mean I give him that, a character first? Or uh, no, that means you get to decide what to do. It's like a football. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You... you... You can choose or you can defer. Do you, do you want I'm gonna to receive? Defer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punt to Todd, and he's going to have to tell us what he wants or what his, his uh, best imagination is. His match. Yes. He must receive the kick. All right. And, and our producer, Andrew, is going <laughs> to decide who has made the best matches at the end. <laughs> we'll declare a winner. It means nothing, but we'll declare a winner. I feel like that metaphor just completely broke down. The, the football metaphor? The, yes. I, I stopped even paying attention to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was trying to look at my list. So you have now kicked to me, and right. uh, I have to receive. Yes. So uh, the character, Todd. Character number one is uh, you gave to me Jay Gatsby from The Great Gatsby, which uh, I will be honest, I have not read since high school. <laughs> I do remember the film vaguely. Which uh, film? I remember the, the Redford? The, uh, well, I remember the Redford film uh, vaguely. Um, and then I saw the DiCaprio film more recently. I, I was so shipping is really interesting. <laughs> Let me say something about shipping first. <laughs> this is really interesting <laughs> because you have to think uh, as a matchmaker, right? Yeah. And matchmaking is really tricky because on the one hand, you want to find people who have something in common, but you also want to find people who complement each other. Um, there's uh, also the uh, the question of uh, trying to find somebody who would meet 
person A's desires, uh, but also balancing that with maybe person A's needs, which may not always be the same thing. Wait, what you're laying out is the difficulty in romance in <laughs> does life. This, does this, <laughs> yeah. Is this touching uh, close to home? <laughs> well, I, w- I was thinking about this, this whole challenge. I was like, what kind of parameters am I going to use to judge this? Yeah. yeah. You know, so, how, do well, I, how do I judge the quality of I a relationship? My, I have my own philosophical ramblings that we'll get to when I'm, when I'm receiving the punch. <laughs> okay. <in the> here. <laughs> okay, so with Jay Gatsby, I'm thinking, uh, well, the first question that I had for you was, is this a young Jay Gatsby pre-Daisy? Or is this a, a, an older Jay Gatsby post Daisy? And your answer was uh, an older, the, older the Jay Gatsby. Jay Gatsby, yeah, okay. the older one. So, um, so Jay Gatsby, he's got some issues. <laughs> Besides, <Perhaps> a, a <laughs> fixation. <laughs> he has a fixation. There has to be something to get him over this. Uh, he he wasn't born into money, but I I know that he really likes uh, money. And he he wants a woman from high society. So I'm going with Susan Vance from the classic screwball comedy Bringing Up Baby. Okay. <laughs> I love Bringing Up Baby so much. Okay, this is a this is a classic screwball uh, film starring Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. And Susan Vance is uh, played by Catherine Hepburn, and she is like this f- sort of. Um, mad, like, <laughs> how can, can anybody help me describe so, okay, Susan Vance? There's, there, there's a sequence where they are at the golf club and she drives away in his car with him standing on the outside of it. <laughs> yeah. She's, uh, <laughs> because she's sure it's her car. <laughs> she kind of, she's, she's, yeah, she's self-assured. Even if, uh, facts are denying her self-assurance, <laughs> And she's she's quite happy to put uh, uh, oh what I can't even remember the character's name David Huxley okay to put him into extreme discomfort yeah. he's this he's this really nerdy scientist he's got this uh, interclavicle what is it intercostal clavicle this uh, dinosaur bones <laughs> yeah and uh, and they end up taking care of a leopard um, <laughs> and baby but like these are the kind of exchanges that they have David Huxley you don't understand this is my car and then she's you mean this is your car your golf ball your car is there anything in the world that doesn't belong to you and she's just like she just goes on and on and on like this um, yeah. <laughs> but I think that this would be quite a distraction for Jay Gatsby <laughs> he could continue to have his high society parties but uh, she would Man, if he gave her a chance, (laughs) there's no way that you can think about any other woman when this woman is around. Yeah. All right. I I can see that. I like your pick. And I really like her. I, I, uh, I, I'd bring it, baby, uh, for both characters uh, for a while thinking, would one of them? But then I, I, I waved them off. I didn't use either of them. Wow. Okay. (laughs) It's amazing how you and I can be so close sometimes in our thinking. And then sometimes it's like so far, so far away from each other. Let's just hold out to the end. We'll have a discussion about which characters we had to strike from the list. Because because we did, we sent the list and we're both like, I don't know. I've never seen that. Okay. All right. All right. So my number one pick, uh, Susan Vance from being a baby for Jay Gatsby. Okay. I can see them romping around. Upper class New York having uh, all kinds of madcap adventures, and Jay Gatsby would hate it, but he would learn to love it. Well, he would love the showiness of her. He would love the presentation of wealth that she just has. Like, she puts on airs all the time. Yes. um, he he might be into that. (laughs) If he ends up up dressed in a woman's bathrobe, I can see that, you know, he might not enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. Completely. Do you have any? Was there any reasoning behind Jay Gatsby as a pick? He's a fascinating character, uh, and he has no happiness. <laughs> so, okay. But who could give him some happiness? Well, Susan Vance can give him some happiness. Uh, I'll tell you my thinking behind uh, this character, like as a as a as a wind up. Okay. To the pitch. Sure. Changing metaphors only slightly. Uh, my pick for you for number one is Vicini, the great Vicini from The Princess Bride. And uh, this guy is just an amazing character. He's a, he's a force of nature. I love him. Uh, and right. I just, I thought, I wonder who he could ever be with. Well, let me tell you, Todd. Please do. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so, dying to know. So the way I approached mine is not so much for Vicini, but for some of these others, like the, the, the stories that they appear in, there's obvious romantic 
you know, they're, they're in relationships or something like that. And so I want, in order to remove all that baggage, I just was starting to think about like, who is this character in their core? Um, and ignoring whatever other relationships might be happening in the story. So for Vecini, <laughs> he, he is, uh, if you if you don't remember which character he is, he's the bald guy. Uh, he is the arrogant blowhard. Sicilian. Uh, yeah. Uh, this inconceivable. He's the mad schemer. He's always got plots going on. He's very confident uh, that he knows more <laughs> than everyone else around him. And that what his course, the course of action that he's laying out is the only course of action that's even reasonable. And so I started to think, what does he need in his life? If that's who he is. I thought he needs someone who can put up with a lot, but also knows how to stop the madness when it needs to be stopped. <laughs> uh, so that, w- that would endure him, but also with a look or, uh, or, or some words, be able to put him in his place when he needs to be there, even as she allows him to still be himself. I have no idea where you're going with this. So, I'm so excited. <laughs> so I chose Angela from The Office. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, yeah. Who we know from a relationship with Dwight can put up with an awful lot, but at the same time, Dwight could be a force of nature in that office. But sometimes she would give him a look from across the room, and he would just wilt a little and, and oh stop whatever gosh, he was about to Angela. do. Angela. <laughs> and so I've chosen Angela because she won't. She wouldn't change herself because of his overwhelming nature around him, but she would put up with a lot of his overwhelming nature in the process. Oh my gosh. So That's my first amazing. match, Vecini from The Princess Bride and Angela from The Office. Wow. Okay, I like it. All right. Todd, your second yes. character that you need to uh, be be choosing the ideal romantic match for is Lieutenant Uhura from Star Trek. Okay, uh, I will admit this was maybe the hardest one for me. Um I asked you if I could do an alternate version of myself. <laughs> I tapped the brakes on that right away. <laughs> uh, I really like her. And so, again, as one does, I was thinking about, well, who is she? What does she like? Um, what could she possibly need? You also um, went with the uh, reboot film versions. Yes? Well, yeah, I know her a little bit better than I do the uh, from the original series, Uhura. Um, so she's really good with languages. She seems to like outer space. And so I felt like I needed somebody that was, um, that could, you know, be in space with her. I thought long and hard about Lando Calrissian, uh, for her and they could just go on all kinds of mad adventures with each <laughs> other. And, uh, and I think she would be like a, a great, I think they would be a great partnership. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered uh, well, she really likes Spock. So I thought, is there anybody kind of like Spock, but that's not Spock? Because <laughs> I think that she really does like him, and I, and I like the dynamic between them. Um, there is an Argentine film that's called... <laughs> <laughs> it's called Valentine, And it's, it's one of my favorite movies. And the, the main character in this is a little eight-year-old boy, and his name is Valentine. And his biggest desire is to be an astronaut. And he creates these um, spacesuits out of, like, garbage from his house. And he listens to rock and roll music, and he walks around, and he has these huge, thick glasses. And his life is just kind of a mess. And he wishes that he could get away from it. And I just thought, man, like an old, an older Valentine... Uh, could just hook up with Uhura. She could t- pick him up in a spaceship and they could go away. And I think they would be really, really, really happy together. <laughs> so uh, the young and older version of eight-year-old Valentine, the Argentine boy who wishes he was a spaceman. <laughs> That's my pick for Uhura. And as a and as a plan B, if Valentine doesn't work out, Lando Calrissian from Star Wars. I gotta say, I, I didn't see Valentine making an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> I really like him, and and part of it is like I'm so sad that he because he is just lonely in his in his uh, in his movie, and he's always trying to he's he's really good at helping other people get like hooked up with each other, but he needs somebody in his own life, and I think Ahura might fill that uh, void for him, and I think he would fill a void for her. And uh, if there was initially, it would the language barrier wouldn't last for very long because Ahura oh. is amazing at learning languages. Yeah, she'd be great. So it's perfect. <laughs> It's a match made in heaven. 
Okay. All right, Todd, uh, what's my next? Uh, my next pick for you is um, coming off of uh, thinking about our conversation. I don't know if it's from last week or next week, <laughs> but uh, this is a character that I know is near and dear to your heart, and uh, it is Veronica Mars. So yes. take it away. So Veronica Mars, uh, we... Oh, I will say this. I'm so... When I watch Veronica Mars, like, the one thing that I hate about Veronica Mars is every man in her life. I mean, <laughs> like, her boyfriend, her choice in boyfriends yeah. is atrocious. Well, so, Todd, so, Todd just, just wait till we start watching some Gilmore Girls for this, because you're going to have a lot of the okay. same reaction. Okay. After, after we recorded the episode on Veronica Mars, I looked at the box for Veronica Mars, and... I just based on the podcast discussion, I was instantly sure that no man on that box was good enough for her. <laughs> like, no, these, these guys suck. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. And uh, and so part of, uh, I'm in inside of me, I'm I'm just hoping, <laughs> wishing and hoping, as as they say, <laughs> I'm wishing and hoping that you will find somebody. That's good enough for Veronica Mars. All right, so Veronica Mars, we talked in great detail about her. Broken, uh, a little bit cynical or world-weary. She is often abrasive and harsh to those around her. Uh, I think the interactions that we listed just in the pilot episode involved um, tasing, deceit, (laughs) manipulation, uh, (laughs) uh, just open insults to the man who becomes her best friend. (laughs) You know, all these other things. So we need someone who can handle that, uh, that uh, tough exterior of Veronica Mars, uh, someone who is confident enough in themselves that this, all this, uh, I'm just assuming there's going to be a lot of verbal sparring that's going to take place because she is a witty, but in kind of a sarcastic way, uh, that, that can stand up to all of that. And also someone that can, uh, you know, inject a little fun into her life. I think she needs a little of that. And so I have chosen Benedict from Much Ado About Nothing. (laughs) So it wasn't where I thought it was going. <laughs> where did you think this was going? I thought you were going to dip back into the weed and well and choose uh, either uh, Angel or Booth, played by uh, <laughs> Boreanaz. No, no, I'm going with Shakespeare from from Shakespeare's classic uh, coupling comedy. When you said much when you said, the we- when you said the weed and well, I thought you were going to go with Xander. <laughs> she would eat him for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> Xander doesn't have it. No. <laughs> Um, okay. So, much to do about nothing. Uh, the storyline that's pleasant to watch is uh, between Benedict and Beatrice. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a subplot with Hero and Claudio that is just... Uh, it's, it's troublesome. Um, but, but the Beatrice and Benedict, they're two of my favorite characters in all of uh, literature. And Benedict just loves to... Uh, have fun with with Beatrice, and I think again, Veronica Mars needs a little bit of, of that. But he also has enough of an ego on himself that when she comes back with sarcastic insults, <laughs> it's not going to face him. Do, do you have a particular interesting... portrayal you wanted? Did you want Kenneth Branagh? Or did you want uh, Alexis Denisov? Uh, there, I actually was thinking of one that I saw at a Shakespeare festival. That oh. was a slightly different <laughs> version of it than... I mean, I love the Kenneth Branagh, and I love the Joss Whedon-directed Much About Nothing. We'll be talking about Much Ado About Nothing in the coming months, but... Yes, we will. That is my choice for Veronica Mars. Okay. Did you... <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> I was going to say, did, but did you kind of mentally have anyone in mind when you submitted Veronica Mars? Uh, no, actually, I didn't. Okay. Um, I think she's. I think she's hard to... She would not have been, like, at the top of my, oh, she's so easy to pick for yeah. list. Uh, I think we did that to each other <laughs> a bit. Yeah. We, we weren't picking uh, soft, soft paws being pitched down the middle. It's, ama- it's amazing how some of these, uh, some of these were like quite easy. I felt like, oh yeah, um, this you know, you think about it for five minutes and you go, oh, yeah, Valentine, that's right. Fit. Argentine young boy. <laughs> yeah, Uhura, I had to read. I had to dig deep for Uhura. <laughs> interestingly, interestingly, we are going from Veronica Mars, the hard-boiled teen detective to uh, the choice that I gave Todd. And we had submitted these lists without seeing what the other ones were really doing. And Todd, I gave you Nancy Drew. <laughs> the less hard-boiled. Less hard-boiled. Less hard-boiled. Hard hard detective. detective. <laughs> so, um, I'm not super familiar with Nancy Drew. Uh, I don't know that I've ever read a Nancy Drew book. I just, um, I was more of a Hardy Boys boy. <laughs> did they <laughs> but, have a crossover? Uh, they did have crossovers. Yeah, they did have a couple crossovers. Yeah. So I did a little um, research in the recesses of my mind, and <laughs> I found uh, uh, this quote. This is from um, somebody 
posted something on the internet. <laughs> and this is what <laughs> the it says. The link will be in our show notes for proper accreditation. I'm sure it's from Wikipedia. Uh, it says, at 16, she had studied psychology in school and was familiar with the power of suggestion and association. Nancy was a fine painter, spoke French, and had frequently run motorboats. She was a skilled driver who, at 16, flashed into the garage with a skill born of long practice. The prodigy was a sure shot, an excellent swimmer, skillful, skillful oarsman, expert seamstress, gourmet cook, and a fine bridge player. Nancy, <laughs> Nancy brilliantly played tennis and golf and rode like a cowboy. Nancy danced like Ginger Rogers and could administer first aid like the Mayo Brothers. So, I, I'm guessing this is just lifting bits that appeared across like 60 novels. Yes. Like in this novel, she was a gourmet cook. It never came up again, but we know now. Yes. We now, know. now we know that she's a gourmet cook. So I was thinking... Who in the world could possibly be in a relationship like this? I actually thought of maybe like a 16-year-old Lance Kilkenny from uh, our, our episode before. He, he um, loves gourmet food. Well, it's like you have to have a superman to be with such a superwoman. And then I thought, ha-ha, there it is. So my pick for Nancy Drew is Clark Kent from Smallville. <laughs> so Smallville, so before the- Superman. Yeah, before he's Superman, yeah. he's Clark Kent. He's in high school. He's the he's the perfect man. So, for do her. you want the Smallville show, Smallville, Superman, Clark Kent? <laughs> oh, no, or... That sentence lost all meaning <laughs> as, it, as it progressed. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. All Clark, all versions of Clark Kent are from Smallville, aren't they? But, but I mean, uh, no, are false. you talking about? There's one from Russia in Red Sun. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. This is the, this is uh, not the company to be having this conversation with. Are, are you talking um, about? Or maybe it the, is the. I'm talking about WB the... series Smallville. Exactly. I'm talking about the TV okay. series Smallville, uh, and Clark Kent is in high school in the town of Smallville, and he's sort of the perfect man. Yeah. And and who better for the perfect uh, woman, apparently, 16-year-old woman, than the perfect uh, 16, 17, 18-year-old man, which is uh, Clark Kent from the TV series Smallville. You know, so there we pretty go. Pretty much neither of them ever failed to stop whatever they were trying to stop. But oh. in tandem, they would stop even more. Yes. <laughs> Imagine what they could do together. I mean, it's I'm, it's. Uh, I'm a it's little staggering it, to it think of the possibilities. I'm a little worried about his earlier seasons where he's really timid farm boy. Like, I don't think he'd be able to handle a girl that could do all of that. He'd just be like, <laughs> like, I, like, I don't understand. Like, I can move at super speed, and I don't do any of that. <laughs> I think they'd get along swimming. No, I like that. Uh, that is, my, I think, my favorite match so far. So. Okay. Clark Kent I, I do, with Nancy Drew. I do like picturing that. All right. Okay. Todd, what's next for me? Next for you is uh, another, one of my favorite characters from an older film. That's one of my favorite films. And one of the most inspirational films of all time, according to the uh, motion picture. What is it? American Film Institute. American Film Institute. Thank you. And uh, this is uh, Mr. Smith from Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. A uh, Frank Capra and Jimmy Stewart combo Jimmy, punch. Jimmy Stewart. Yep. So take it away. All right. Well, listeners, if you're unfamiliar with this, and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, there is a vacancy in the Senate that the governor has to fill. And uh, he's got these political cronies who want him to do choose a corrupt candidate. And then there's someone else, uh, like, a, oh, he's a, like a real political do-gooder. Uh, and, but then there's all the kids around the governor wanted them to pick his, their scoutmaster, Mr. Smith. And the governor decides Mr. Smith is good enough that no one will think he's choosing a manipulative crony, but also naive enough that he'll be manipulated by all the political cronies. So it's the perfect solution. <laughs> And he sends him to Washington where he, like, uh, Mr. Smith is just, he's Jimmy Stewart being, like, the best version of America that Jimmy Stewart yes. can portray. It's, it's the all-American yeah. Jimmy Stewart. Yes. Uh, everything, he's all idealistic. Uh, of course, the Washington system at first kind of chews him out and spits him out. And he gets, uh, through all these lies and manipulations, it starts to look like he's at responsible for this big scandal. And he can't believe that his good name is being tarnished because he'd never do these things. And he holds a 24-hour filibuster to stop the law that, oh, uh, man, and while while he's filibustering, people find out the truth as to what was going on, and his name gets gets cleared. So we so have this, good. you know, best hearted Jimmy Stewart, uh, but a bit naive <laughs> about <laughs> about the world. And so at first, I was thinking he needs a woman who is maybe a little more aware of the way the world functions. <laughs> and, uh, and I started to think maybe, uh, I think I was just going in the direction of too cynical because he is so good. I don't think he'd. 
settle down with a cynical woman. So it really couldn't be a cynical woman. So then I started to think about who is a woman that is full of goodness, but is maybe aware of the world and still functioning and maintaining her goodness. And it is good enough to equal, you know, the, the absolute ethics and morality of Jimmy Stewart's Mr. Smith. Mm -hmm. And once I thought that, of course, of course I landed (laughs) on Miss Honey from Matilda. Oh, I am not. I don't know anything about Matilda, so you're gonna have to. You have to fill me in. <laughs> if you did, you'd say this is the oh, best pick wow. of the night. Okay, <laughs> this is. So, in the wow. story of Matilda, Matilda's a girl who has horrible parents, and she gets sent. She's not the. She's not the the lady with the chocolate cake. No, it's Miss Trunchbull. Okay. Okay. And, and so then uh, at, at the school... Because I can't see her with uh, Mr. Smith. Yeah. At, at the school uh, that she Matilda ends up getting sent to, there is Miss Trunchbull, Trunchbull is the principal who's this horrible woman that, you know, is abusive to the, all the children and and is, meanwhile, like, uh, siphoning all the money to live for her in her own kingdom. And Miss Honey is Matilda's teacher who is just... She's this, a nice teacher. The nicest teacher imaginable. The best teacher. Teaches all the students. Loves every student. Uh, and then you you find out later on that Miss Honey is actually the Trunchbull's sister, and that wow. Wait, I, uh, do I have that right? There's a sister, or or like there's some relationship between like them. niece in yeah. like step niece or something. There's I, I, can't I obviously exactly. obviously should check the recess of my mind before going down this path. Because <laughs> <laughs> our producer Andrew gave me a look well, when I started to say sister. It was, so like Miss Honey's father was connected to. I was going to leave the Trunchbull. school to Miss Honey. And, and somehow the Trunchbull stepped in and took like, it off. Like, and it's kind of, like, suspicious, like, the way her yeah. father Died. disappeared. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, iffy stuff. But uh, but through this all, so Miss Honey has kind of had her uh, things that were supposed to be left to her by her father, everything taken away. She's uh, at the school where she and her students are being abused by Miss Trunchbull, but she remains pure and, again, like the picture of everything that's good about humanity and particularly about teachers that want what's best for children. Aww. So I think Mr. Smith and Miss Honey would be the best parents in history <laughs> and raise a generation <laughs> of, of children that would change I mean, the world. They would, they would adopt every orphan <laughs> yes. and, and yes, lead a generation. Okay. That's a good, that's a good match. I like that one a lot. All right. All right. <clears throat> Todd, it is your turn to explain who you think would be the best match for oh an adult Linus from Peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Linus being the one that has the blue blanket, if anyone is forgetting which peanut is which. The blue blanket and the baggage. Yes. And the emotional baggage. Sucking on his thumb. Well, all the kids are carrying emotional baggage, let's but, be honest. But the, the great pumpkin baggage. <laughs> yes. So he's, he's Charlie Brown's confidant. Uh, again, you managed to find something with which I was, uh, let's say, less than familiar. So, Todd, you don't um, have the complete peanuts sitting on your desk? No, uh, as a matter of fact, I don't. I have 48 of the 50 years. They haven't put out the last two years yet. <laughs> so so um, I did a little uh, checking in the recesses of my mind. And um, and I learned a little bit about Linus. <laughs> just listeners, just know, these are the ones we kept on the list. <laughs> because there were a number that got just scratched off entirely. It's like, I have no idea. <laughs> so even as we're saying, well, we weren't quite sure. So we had to check. These are the ones we kept. So... <clears throat> This is uh, this is what the recesses of my mind say about Linus. Um, Linus Van Pelt is a character in Peanuts. Uh, he's the best friend of Charlie Brown. He's also the younger brother of Lucy Van Pelt and the older brother of Rerun Van Pelt. Um, blah, 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 blah. Security blanket, blah, blah, blah. The character's <laughs> creator, Charles M. Schultz, has said of the character, Linus is my serious side. He is the house intellectual, bright, well-informed, which I suppose may contribute to his feelings of insecurity. So who better, who better to match up with Linus, an adult version of Linus, than the, an adult version of the Argentine, that great Argentine... <laughs> comic mafalda are you familiar with mafalda no 
I have okay. heard of it, actually, but I'm not familiar with enough to say anything about the characters in it. But I have heard of it. Mafalda is an Argentine comic strip written and drawn by cartoonist Joaquin Salvador Lavado, better known by his pen name, Kino. The strip features a six-year-old girl named Mafalda who reflects the Argentinian middle class and progressive youth, is concerned about humanity and world peace, and has serious attitude problems, but in an innocent manner. The strip ran from 1964 to 1973 and was very popular in Latin America, Europe, Quebec, and Asia, leading to two animated cartoon series and a book. So, so Mafalda is this little, uh, this little six-year-old girl, and she's worried about everything, like everything in the world. Basically, she's worried about nuclear holocaust. She's worried about climate change. Um, and so she goes around. She's very smart. And she kind of – it's sort of the Latin American – people say this is sort of the Latin American version of uh, Peanuts. But I think they'd be great together, older, sort of worried about everything. And uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, I like her, Mafalda. Okay. You're, She's uh, concerned about humanity and world peace. She's uh, she's teamed up with Linus, who is the house intellectual, uh, bright and well-informed, and terribly insecure. And uh, if there's one thing that Mafalda is not, it's insecure. She's <laughs> she's very uh, she's very confident in herself. So Mafalda, you're, you're do you not- have peanuts on your shelf? I have Mafalda on mine. <laughs> <laughs> you're certainly not making it easy for me to judge these relationships I well i never win i never win these com- contests anyway so i think you've won I, more than i've won i think you won the I first think, valentine's no one. i won that one because i had up but i think that's the only one i've won once i said up i won <laughs> that was my first pick the old couple from up oh it was, i think todd, Peter, todd peterson went, always wins that's true he, i think he's, he's won every time he's been on yeah which is why we, we haven't invited him yeah, back he's not back. <laughs> <laughs> he is blackballed <laughs> Anyway, Mafalda, uh, if you knew anything about Mafalda, you would agree that this is an amazing pick. Okay. <laughs> Much like you would have liked my Miss Honey pick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. What's next for me, Todd? All right. Next up for you is... Uh, okay. So this is a character. Uh, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Um, and... Uh, I love almost all of the characters in Star Wars. Uh, we're watching. I'm watching uh, Clone Wars with my kids right now, and uh, I really like Clone Wars. Except I hate the relationship between Anakin Skywalker and Padme Amidala. And I'm begging you, please, 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 find somebody better for Padme than Anakin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which it's not a tough part. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched... Uh, Vicini from The Princess Bride, for example, would be fantastic. <laughs> Anybody. <laughs> Anybody besides Anakin Skywalker Are who you is a Diego twit. from Gran Hotel. No, so I have not read, uh, or not read, I haven't seen any of uh, Clone Wars, and I know there are also many other sources of novels and comics that have probably touched or expanded upon Queen Amidala. Um, but I really only know what was in the prequels. And I haven't... I've rewatched a lot of Star Wars in my days. I haven't rewatched the prequels very much. <laughs> um, I, I, I couldn't put a number on the times I've rewatched the original trilogy. But I think I've seen The Phantom Menace when you and I skipped school to go see it, Todd. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a few times after that, and I've seen the other two once, once each. Okay. Uh, so uh, to refresh myself on Queen Amidala, <laughs> I went to Wikipedia, wikipedia.com. <laughs> um, and a lot of, you know, this, this all was familiar. She was queen when she was like 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and she got into, uh, the worst relationship in history. Well, no, yes. a bad relationship, a bad relationship. I, I, I'm sure there have been worse in real life and in fiction, but, um, uh, clearly I bad. thought what she needs is someone dark and brooding, uh, who hates sand <laughs> and is overly emotional. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. Um, I, I, here, let me read this quote though from. Uh, Wikipedia. It says, although her parents were of modest origins, Nab- Nabari, Nabari, that's her first name. <laughs> uh, Nabari, I think is how Star Wars Minute has been doing it. Okay. Was identified as a gifted and brilliant young girl at an early age. As a child, she devoted herself to public service. Just that line right there. As a child, she devoted herself to public <laughs> service. Uh, it says to me, we're dealing with someone who's, who's very serious, maybe needs a little more playfulness in her life than she's mm-hmm. ever had. Um, someone who uh, can 
handle her responsibility because after she's queen for two terms, they have two terms of uh, you, you can only have two terms as as queen at fourteen of Naboo. Naboo, <laughs> uh, she becomes the senator for Naboo. Goes to Coruscant and is you know in the Galactic Senate. So uh, basically, her whole life has been full of responsibility. So I wanted someone who wouldn't like be off put by her responsibility would still be able to handle it, but would still have some playfulness and fun to them. And so I chose Chuck from the TV show Chuck. <laughs> Who, Interesting. If you are unfamiliar in the TV show, show Chuck, he uh, gets the government's secrets downloaded into his brain accidentally, and <laughs> uh, and has basically all of the responsibility of the United States government thrust upon his shoulders. But throughout it all, he maintains a cheerful and playful attitude, uh, and he also still kind of has a childlike innocence and a love of. Uh, you know, uh, popular culture from his youth right, <laughs> that get he it. still okay. carries with him. He could introduce Padme to, uh, you know, his favorite cartoons and maybe she would find a cause for laughter in her life, <laughs> which I don't think she ever experienced once. <laughs> See, I was, I was thinking if, if we're going to give Padme, uh, if we know that she likes bad boys and apparently if she likes bad boys, I was thinking, uh, maybe Peter, Peter Quill. Is that his name? From yeah. Guardians from, of the Galaxy. Yeah. The Galaxy. Yeah. 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 I could see that. Like, he's kind of a bad boy, but he's not, like, a horrible person. Right. <laughs> so, but I like Chuck. Okay. I like the, uh, I like the public service uh, angle that you took. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Chuck is, is one of he's my... He's a great public servant. <laughs> Chuck's one of my favorite things ever. Like, that got me through two of my years of college, was, like, rewatching <laughs> Chuck <laughs> during, during finals. I'm just like, ugh. I gotta get through this stuff, but uh, then I'll watch an episode of Chuck. One of my first peer-reviewed publications was on Chuck. Okay. All right, uh, Todd. Next for you is um, a villain that uh, maybe if I, there was more love in their life, they wouldn't have turned out quite the way they did. Uh, <laughs> isn't, isn't that the story of every villain? Yes, yeah, so I'm choosing Maleficent, but not from the animated Sleeping Beauty nor the original. Uh, well, however original we could have for the fairy tale, uh, but from the recent film starring Angelina Jolie, which was an okay film that had a pretty interesting character at the center of it, starring Angelina Jolie's cheekbones. <laughs> Those were prosthetics, but yes. Yes, I know. <laughs> Enhanced um, cheekbones. Okay. Enhanced cheekbones, yeah. So uh, this was a film that I had not seen before you before you recommended it, and I thought, um, I, I, it's, worth, it's worth it. So I went to the Red Box last night, I picked up Maleficent, and I watched it. And uh, I was extremely tired, and I, I took a, 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 a cuppa, a cuppa, as they say, <laughs> across the pond, a cuppa, a cup of tea, before and it um, really knocked me out. <laughs> so it took me about three and a half hours to watch this film because I kept opening my eyes and going, wait a second. I think I just missed about half an hour. <laughs> Drinking sleepy time tea. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't sleepy time tea. It's called Cup of Calm. Cup of Calm. It's a really delicious tea and it uh, certainly calmed me down. Um, but I actually really liked Maleficent as a character. Uh, and and so I thought, you know what? We've gotta, i got to do right by her. And um, and I was thinking... Well, here, real quick, for any audience members who haven't seen the film and mm-hmm. just assume that Maleficent is the evil menace in the Sleeping Beauty cartoon, what do they do in this film that kind of changes it from the, the well, pure as, evil? Well, when the film begins, she is she's a fairy. She lives in the realm of fairies, uh, which um, is beautiful. And the effects in this film are really, really good. Um, and so she's, she's a fairy. She's sort of girl-sized... And she has these giant wings, and she flies all around, and uh, she meets a boy, a human boy, and they become friends, and she lets him into the fairy realm, and then he turns into a horrible <laughs> horrible person, and they fall in love, but then he leaves her, and, uh, and he tricks her. It leads to, I, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but it leads to all kind of uh, pain and heartache for her. And that's why she turns into Maleficent, this uh, mean witch. And that uh, cruel boy becomes the father of Sleeping Beauty, which is Sleeping why Beauty. she is pursuing that family and has a vendetta against them. So I was thinking, I know what Maleficent wants. She wants uh, a guy like the little, like the boy that she met, but she doesn't want him to turn into a horrible person. Also, something maybe like a Padme situation. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Like we want we want to we want to meet somebody that we like, and then we want the person that we like to not be a horrible person. So I was thinking, what humans out there in in fiction, uh, human boys that like nature, that maybe believe in magic or the magical, that would feel comfortable living in the fairy realm, but would not uh, betray Maleficent and uh, lead her to a life of heartache and misery. And I thought of, and see, I, I, I'm just going to concede right now. <laughs> but um, is it an uh, Argentine? <laughs> no, it's actually a, it's a Dickon from the Secret Garden. Oh, okay. So Dickon is the little boy who um, he's he's into nature. He likes to talk to the animals, and he befriends the little girl whose name I cannot remember right now for the life of me. And uh, and he just is like he's really in tune, and he's kind, and he's humble. And I just think that they could settle down together and have a great life in the fairy realm. And he would be totally down with a girl with giant horns and giant wings. Is he the one in the wheelchair? No, no, no. He's the one that helps the one in the wheelchair. Okay. The the other one that can stand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, He's the one that talks to all the animals, and he has a he has a great accent, and ah, it's perfect. It, it's I, been I, a while since I was exposed to the Secret Garden. It's okay, I, I'm more familiar with the movie. Mary from Lennox. The, is that the name of the? Yes, yes. thank you. Yes. Uh, I'm more familiar with the film that came out. I'm guessing sometime in the early nineties. Mm, early. I think that's that. my only exposure, and it was in the early nineties. Yeah. <laughs> Let me check the recesses of my mind. 1987 Secret Garden, and starring. Jenny James and Barrett Oliver. Barrett Oliver as Dickon Sowerby. And I love him. He's awesome in, the, in that film. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, so Dickon. Dickon is my pick. I just think it would not be like the most exciting story in the world. I think that the story would be she flies around her fairy realm, she meets a human boy, he's awesome, and they live happily ever <laughs> after. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, but I really want her to be happy because I really liked her character and I, I just thought, man, that guy is a, he's a creep and I don't like him. So there you go. Okay. All right. Next round for Joseph. Well, this was, so on your original list for me was Frankenstein's monster (laughs) and I was trying to sort of get you back. (laughs) (laughs) So my second pick for you or my, my fifth pick for you is, uh, Ralph from Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. I love this guy. It's it's so great. Do you do you know how many times I saw Wreck It Ralph in the theater? Uh, I have no no idea. Wait, no, no uh, idea. Uh, <laughs> how five, could I possibly how could two, I possibly know that? Three, I, seven, I don't know either because I lost track. <laughs> but it's it's at least four, probably five. Wow. I, uh, I've seen it once. Uh my children were crawling on top of me, so I kinda half saw it. <laughs> how do you I, not see these I films? I love Wreck It Ralph. It got robbed at the Oscars that year. I have to say that because it needs to be said every time. <laughs> got robbed at the Oscars that year. What won at the Oscars that year? Brave. Really? Probably for its technical Todd, execution you haven't of the seen hair. Brave, so I don't think you'd be outraged. <laughs> I know, but I haven't seen Brave because everybody said, Oh Brave, it's like meh. I know you haven't seen Brave because I sent you mirrored <laughs> <laughs> As a backup for another one that you had to say. <laughs> I think I sent Merida to replace Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> I'm just, uh, it's surprising to me. I'm, I'm, I, you, you never cease to amaze me at the things that you have seen. And you know, like Superman's, the, the version of Superman that was born in Russia, but you have Who only seen Wreck It Ralph. That's common knowledge, Red Sun. <laughs> but you only saw. Wreck It Ralph one time. I just I, well, it's, I, I get like three quarters of time because like children. Okay, work. but I'm really We're excited for this one because I. It's a really I've, really good film, and Ralph is awesome. I've devoted you know some thought to this and not come up with a good answer. So I have. I let, have. An let, let's see it. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I, I've devoted some thought and come up with the right answer. <laughs> so which is <laughs> Ralph is uh, he's. For anyone who hasn't seen the film, uh, and I refreshed myself through the recess of my mind about this, uh, <laughs> wreck Ralph is kind of like a Toy Story, but with video game characters. When people leave an arcade, all of the video game characters go and hang out together. Um, and in his video game, Ralph is the bad guy, and so everyone kind of uh, disdains him <laughs> and, and doesn't want to hang out with him. And he's really lovable. If only anyone would see the good that was in him. Uh, and he's, he's not, there's this, this misperception of him. And everyone is only seeing the exterior. So we need someone who will see the good in people, who 
won't judge them, uh, and uh, seeing the good, you know, accepts that good and and, uh, is really unconvinced even if other people are saying bad things about this person. And so, of course, the best person for Wreck-It Ralph is Jane Bennett from Pride and Prejudice. What? What? I did for sure did not see that coming. But now can you see it? (laughs) No. (laughs) Please help me see this. Uh, She just sees the best. And even when uh, there's like blatant evidence that people are scoundrels, she kind of says, well, maybe we don't, maybe there were reasons they were scoundrels. Maybe they needed to be that way because we don't know all the facts. So she's always looking for the best in people. (laughs) And uh, once she she sees the best in Wreck-It Ralph, I think... (laughs) Wait, what? I've written an X next to that one. Andrew, not accepting of Jane Bennett. This is the logical answer, everyone. This, I, I was proud of this. I one. think this you is- just. I think. I think I just made up a lot of ground from my two Argentine picks. I, I, I'm very baffled by your reactions. I thought I, I would have just received instant acclaim and say, "Well, that's logical." Now that I've seen it, I can't unsee it. Who else would Jane Bennett want other than the computer animated? <laughs> villain of a computer game. I, I would have taken Lizzie much more readily. Oh, no, my no. Goodness. Lizzie's not right for it, because she holds a grudge. She, if she, you have a bad impression, you work really hard to overcome that bad impression with Lizzie. She's not right for Wreck-It Ralph. No, no. I don't think but she Jane, would have judged Wreck-It Ralph poorly, because he didn't have the arrogance. He was not prejudiced. No, it, but but think of how he doesn't she, have the pride. No, but think of how <laughs> she forced humility. <laughs> think of how she treats uh, Collins. <laughs> you know, if you're not making a good impression, it's really hard to overcome that. You just say Collins, and I think Mr. Collins. <laughs> and, and I was thinking, I'm like, I don't know that Mr. Collins has a good impression to give. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, but what she sees, she takes on the surface. Level. And also, like uh, Wickham, it takes a while for her to see how bad Wickham is because she's she's going with first appearances. Mm. It takes her a while to see how good Darcy is because she's going with her first impressions. First impressions don't work with Ralph. He's not going to find love if people are going by their first impressions. <laughs> okay. Lizzie right. Bennett, you disgust me. <laughs> Jane? <laughs> yes, Jane! <laughs> you just wanted to get Pride and Prejudice in there somewhere. It's obvious that Jane Bennett and Rick and Ralph are meant for each other. <laughs> the next time I experience Pride and Prejudice, I will be paying particular attention to Jane, who I've never paid attention to before and you, in and any And you will iteration. say, you know who's better for her than Bingley? Wreck-It Ralph. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Bingley! (laughs) Sorry. All right, Todd. I I need to go watch Pride and Prejudice and Zombies just to have an exposure. (laughs) All right. Uh, Next for you is... uh, I feel like we just flipped field position. (laughs) I just feel like you guys don't see my genius. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas before I was receiving these puns from my own end zone, I feel like I'm now, like you're punting out of yours. All right, Todd, this is going to be our final round. So these are our final picks to decide who's winning and losing. I feel like a lack of appreciation for my Jane Bennett pick uh, has hurt me uh, in the standings thus far. So we'll see how this final round goes. Todd, your your final po- choice is going to be coming from Star Trek The Next Generation. I would like you to figure out uh, the best companion for Lieutenant Worf. Also Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yes, he did cross over in the later seasons. This was uh, possibly my easiest pick. Um, which is no indicator of quality, but a, uh, I thought the only person in the universe that would be happy. Well, actually all the universes and all the universes. What one, one initial thought that I had was, um, who could, who, who has lots of experience with, uh, like angry, gruff men. Uh, and I thought Jane Eyre, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, I, I don't know that I could do that to Jane to send her to, uh, <laughs> to eternity with a Klingon. Uh, so I picked Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh. That's my pick. I think they could have lots of adventures. They would be quite a dynamic duo. <laughs> and uh, I think that they would, I think they kind of would get each other. She she is the most dangerous woman in the galaxy, according to the comics. That's yeah. her that's her tagline. Yeah. 
So I think she'd. Uh, I, think, I think. I think Worf. I think Worf, I think Worf would, would find that. her mm-hmm. interesting. <laughs> I think he would respect her. Yes. Uh, I think she would respect him. And so, uh, so I like Gamora. Sorry, Jane Eyre. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like that pick a lot. All right. Okay. Good. Good final pick, Todd. Closing strong. Okay, and my final pick for you, I feel like, is a total softball. Uh, <laughs> but this is uh, Aurora, uh, also known as Storm, from the X-Men. All right. It's interesting you think this is a softball. Uh, I struggled some to think. Uh, in the comics, she is or has been. I don't know if she still is. Married to Black Panther? She's still married to Black Panther? Uh, no, they are divorced, and nor is she in her long-term relationship with um, Forge. Okay, which yeah, was a yeah. long-standing one in the 80s and 90s? 80s, yeah, kind of ebbed in the 90s, but yeah. All right, uh, so Aurora, or Storm from the X-Men, uh, it can control the weather, obviously. She um, has some very defined aspects of her character. Before Professor Xavier recruited her to the X-Men, she was being worshipped as a goddess in Africa. There are a number of issues there. Uh, but, so because of that uh, past of her character, she is uh, very regal. Uh, she has a lot of authority. She's been the leader of the X-Men many times. She's very uh-huh. tall, like very imposing. Yeah, she's a, an imposing figure. figure. She can be kind of uh, aloof, I feel, and uh, maybe hard to get to know. But once you do, you, you have full loyalty once, once you've formed an uh-huh. attachment to her. Um, she is horribly claustrophobic, claustrophobic but that doesn't really have a whole lot of throwing going on. It's just, that, they like, just needed the to big, give her a weakness. Yeah, that's, her, that's kind of her kryptonite. All right, so she needs someone who isn't going to be put off by power, uh, that can, you know, is fine with a strong woman, uh, and, uh, you know, can, can handle that and also can break through all of that kind of aloofness that comes with kind of the stature that Storm has. And once you start to think of it that way, the only answer is, of course... Prime Empire Strikes Back Han Solo. <laughs> it's who, who Storm needs. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think she'd go for that. No, no, she would. He, she would uh, once. Uh, he would pursue her, break down the barriers, and then she would see his competence in the face of overwhelming odds that he often heaps upon himself. Even. <laughs> I think that's the thing she respects least. No, no, you know, I mean, on himself. she'd like to see the. But the the Han this Solo. Is, this is interesting because Princess Leia is uh, also regal mm-hmm. uh, and also goes for him. So yeah. Maybe there's a chance. Yeah. And I, she would see, as Princess Leia does, through his exterior of just being a carefree smuggler, that someone who, you know, would end up being a general for the rebellion on a nice planet. Which Storm could help them out on Hoth quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Side note. <laughs> she could have made that, that setting a lot more palatable. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that is true. I'm really torn on this one. Actually, you know, Storm in the uh, in the Star Wars universe, she could really she could really help a lot of people. Now, Todd, we're never going to cover this, but there uh, there is a novel from the 1990s of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation meets the X Men. I remember seeing that. Book <laughs> really? On the yes. Shelves. Yes. <laughs> and what makes you so sure that we're never going to cover it? Because <laughs> uh, because our mandate is to cover great characters and great stories. <laughs> <laughs> that one might have been a corporately forced story. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm actually really torn about this pick because, like, I think about it and I think of parts that work, and then I think of parts where I'm like, no, that could never work. So I'm really divided on it. Okay. I, I would lean hard into the parts you like. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on on how moody Storm is. Like, is she Mohawk Storm right now? Oh, or that's is true. She... There's been different different eras of Storm where she got really into the punk scene of the 1980s. Current comic book <laughs> Storm is Mohawk. Yeah, and leader, which is a throwback of, to the 1980s yeah, punk Storm. Leader of all the X-Men. And I think current Storm would not go for it. But Storm, who's not in charge of everything, yeah. who has a little less responsibility, I think could be very... That, that's obviously the one I was thinking of. Like... <laughs> You're so full of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Let's let's Han Solo. Quick, mm. quick rundown of our picks. So did not see that coming. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so let's 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 do the matchups real quick before we declare a winner. All right. Okay. Uh, Todd, you gave me Vicini from Princess Bride, and I chose Angela from The Office. You gave me Veronica Mars, and I chose Benedict from Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, you gave me Mr. Smith from Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and I chose Miss Honey from Matilda, the Roald Dahl classic. Uh, you gave me Queen Amidala, uh, <laughs> spouse of Darth Vader, 
from Star Wars. <laughs> and I chose Chuck from the TV show. Chuck. You also gave me Ralph from the movie Wreck-It Ralph, and I chose Jane Bennett. Best pick of the night, everyone. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then uh, to wrap up, you gave me Storm from the X-Men, and I chose Han Solo from Star Wars. Again, uh, prime, uh, roguish, Empire Strikes Back Han Solo. Not any of the other versions that we've had, which are all interesting and good, but for this matchup, I was thinking <laughs> the Empire Strikes Back era. Which are all good in their own special way. Uh, so you gave me Jay Gatsby, and I chose Susan Vance from Bringing Up Baby. You gave me Lieutenant Uhura, and I chose Valentin, the eight-year-old Argentine boy who wishes he could go to space. <laughs> but wait, he's grown up. He, you're, yeah. you're an older yes. version of that one. I'm giving, I'm giving you the, uh, the older version of Valentin, yes. which is a beautiful, beautiful film. And if anybody has seen this, they will go, oh, I'm so glad that Valentin made it onto this list. Um, Listeners, uh, if any of you had that thought, please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people listening to this podcast that have seen Valentin. Okay. okay. I, I dare say. I mean, a lot. Have you assigned maybe, it in your classes? Maybe five. <laughs> but, uh, you gave me Nancy Drew, the superwoman, and I gave you Clark Kent, the Superman, but from no, the, Superman, Clark Kent. the television series Smallville. Yeah. Uh, you gave me a grown-up Linus from Peanuts, and I gave you a grown-up Mafalda from Mafalda, the great Argentine classic uh, comic. Uh, you gave me Maleficent from the film Maleficent, and I gave you Dickon from the 1987 film Secret Garden. You gave me Worf from Star Trek The Next Generation. I almost gave you Jane Eyre and gave you Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy. All right. How do the judges stand? This one is pretty handily in uh, Todd's basket. Really? By my by my (laughs) reckoning. So so walk us through that because I have a challenge flag. (laughs) (laughs) You're gonna lose a timeout. Um, so walk us through walk us through your 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 round by round. Yeah, like like, well, no, I just kind of went down the list. I said, yeah, yeah. All right, which which ones did you enjoy the most from? Uh, So with Todd's list, like uh, with with Todd's list, uh, Valentine and Uhura, I gave like a. Yeah, sounds good. You don't even know who Valentine exactly. Is. <laughs> like, like, like Todd actually ended up benefiting from my lack of knowledge. It's all about the presentation. Uh, and then Clark Kent and Nancy Drew. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. That, that was probably yeah. That, yeah I really um, liked that pick. And and Worf and Gamora was an especially good one. I thought, um, but I also thought Mafalda and Linus again, not knowing much. I'm like, sure. Okay, I see sure. how to game the system in the future. And then, <laughs> and then, and then Dickon and Maleficent, like, you made a really good case for, for nature and, and fairies and all that stuff. So I said, I've been okay, watching a lot yeah, of, yeah. I've been watching a lot of lawyer drama lately, and, uh, <laughs> I feel like that, that helped me tonight. And for Joseph, I mean, he lost so much with the, with the Jane Bennett. I don't understand that at all. <laughs> I, I was actually most proud of that particular pick. I could potentially change my tune on that next time I consume Pride and Tre- Prejudice, but... Oh, wait, so you're not changing your tune on the ones you have no idea about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in Storm and Han Solo, I ended up giving, like, a real strong... Yeah, like, I, I want to see that interaction. Mm-hmm. A real strong, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Mr. Smith and Miss Honey was was a, that's a really good pick, an extremely good pick. Um, I think probably the best one on Joseph's list. Thank you. It, it was the second best behind the Jane Bennett, and Wreck It Ralph. <laughs> Match made in heaven. Oh. <laughs> that's amazing. Ah. Uh. All right, uh, real quick, listeners, I, w- I want you to know some of the original uh, characters that we sent, and then we had to, like, mix each other's. Uh, it's already mentioned, I sent Todd uh, Frankenstein's monster from the novel, not our pop culture idea, and Todd responded, I've never read the novel. <laughs> so we had to swap one out there. I, had- I wish that I wish that people could read our, um, our <laughs> Slack right. feed on this, because I lost probably an hour and a half at work <laughs> looking at old videos. I also things. submitted... Uh, um, Let's see, as some alternates, uh, I had submitted uh, Merida from Brave. This is this is how it goes. Can I just can yeah. I just read this? I say, um, I'll, I've never seen Maleficent. Um, 
uh, might get to it by tomorrow night, but I could use an, uh, an alternate. And then you say, oh, and then I say, I know the J.J. Abrams reboot of Star Trek better. Can I use that version of Uhura? And you say, if you'd like the reboot, that's fine. And an alternate for Maleficent, just in case, Merida from uh, Brave. And then I say, also a film I haven't seen. Which do you recommend most of those two if I'm to watch one tonight? And then you say, Maleficent, I'll get a third alternate ready. And then I had given you previously... Sadness from Inside Out. I had given you sadness so this was the first from way. Inside Out. You sent me sadness. I said, oh, I've never seen Inside Out. And you just were like, what? It's one of the best films in I know. I cannot believe seen. that you have not seen Inside Out. And then you say, and your outrage about sadness is starting to seem a touch cheeky. <laughs> because uh, you were rejecting three alternates in a row. And then you say, if you don't get to Maleficent or, um, or Brave... <laughs> Then uh, do Edith from Downton Abbey, and then I say, holy cow, this is Let's Pick Todd, shows Todd knows almost nothing about episode, <laughs> because that would be strike three. And, and then, then I uh, sent uh, Lisa Turtle from Saved by the Bell, which uh, we ended up not having to use, but you Yes, you, but, but you doing my, in my research, I found um, this this pre-Saved pre by the Bell, Saved by good, the Bell. Good morning, Miss Bliss. Good morning, Miss Bliss, and I knew nothing about this with Haley Mills. You didn't yeah. know about that? No, oh. and I noticed that on the, in the on the front row in the class at the very beginning is this little uh, little Steve Urkel. So then I said, "Hey, if you need an alternate for me, um, there's Steve Urkel." And then you said, "I've actually never seen an episode of Family Matters." <laughs> um, so then I sent you a little thing. Yeah. So, but yeah, unbelievable. A few back and forth. You had also sent me Juliet from R- Romeo and Juliet, which I had uh-huh. actually started to prep. Do you want to know who I was going to choose for Juliet? Sure. Uh, Captain Cold from The Flash. <laughs> <laughs> I just think she needs someone steady who's not going to be rocked about by her uh, flights of fancy and her. I, I, okay, she she was with someone who was as emotional as her and did poorly. So let's get someone who's a little steadier and calmer. You mean the the, the TV show, yeah, the Wentworth it. Miller? That's but, such a good Captain Cold. Yeah, I really like his line deliveries. Now that I think about it. So you, one of the other alternates that you had given me was uh, Elsa from Frozen. That 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 can't Captain be Cold. Work. Captain Cold. Could've Captain Ooh. Cold. Yeah. Oh. And he it's, he, it's him or uh, uh, Edward Cullen. <laughs> and, so. and Captain Cold really leans into it, so he would have loved the branding possibilities. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had asked so, my students wow. if they had any ideas for Julia, and one of them uh, said. Edward Cullen, and immediately like, the class rebelled. I said, there's no way that ends in, uh, without her in a crypt, for any number of reasons. <laughs> well, uh, that wraps up this controversial episode. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in iTunes and leave us a review. It helps people find out about us. Uh, links to things we've talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com, and that's also where you can uh, you can find a list of all of our previous shows. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or let our producer Andrew know how wrong he was in his uh, criticisms <laughs> of Jane Bennett by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com uh, or you can contact us on Twitter at protagonistpod, at Todd K. Mack, at Jay Dorowski or at Andrew underscore Dorowski. Or you can also comment on our Facebook fan page, which is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast. And please, if you have any other ideas for uh, better couples than the ones that we came up with, please let us know. Uh, maybe there is a better match for Wreck-It Ralph. I don't know. If you like this show and would like <laughs> to support us financially, there are a few, a few different ways you can do that. If you would like to buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a small financial donation, you can click on the support link on our homepage or go to patreon.com slash protagonists. And also don't forget to take advantage of great deals from Amazon by going to protagonistpodcast.com slash deals. There are a number of different deals there that if you click on them and, and do it through those links, we'll get a little kickback from Amazon. And uh, just in general, if you could also make any purchases uh, from Amazon by going through protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon, it takes no money out of your pocket. It just takes a little bit out of Amazon's and helps us to keep the lights on here. Finally, don't forget to sign up for a 30-day free trial of audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash protagonist. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back again next week to discuss a great character in a great story. So long. So long. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, that wraps up this controversial episode. Thank you for joining us. And <laughs> oh, Todd, you losing it? Maybe lose it. Okay, let me try again. <clears throat> <laughs> <This is> controversial. <laughs>